Hello everyone, this is John Frangella, and my podcast is all about business and manufacturing. Everything to do with advanced manufacturing, AI, machine learning, investments, crowdfunding, cybersecurity, education, entrepreneurship, finance, and uh, human resources. And the list goes on. Hope you enjoy, and looking forward to your comments. And we're back. I'm here with James Grimm. Just if, if no one, you know, a little background on James is he's got a background in mechanical engineering, part development, additive manufacturing professional, experience with Red Eye, Stratasys, Go, Go Proto, and Stratasys uh, vertical markets. Uh, his his uh, role, role includes customer service, sales account management, uh, helps with businesses, a vertical segment leader. Um, so I asked uh, James, and James on the line right now. Hello, James. <laughs> Hello, hi, John. <laughs> um, what people describe you as, and James as an as an extreme passion for learning and technology, paired with hyper focus on customer experience. He is an excellent listener and always yeah. patient. <laughs> in his spare time, you will find him in mountains snowboarding. I didn't even know you were a snowboarder. Same here. In the winter and hiking yeah. and trail running in the summer. Beautiful. That's, you know what? Um, I have a forest in the back and I love going for, for nature walks. It really helps with uh, with uh, with uh, clearing your mind and refocusing on what's going on in uh, in, 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 in business and in, in personal life also, right? So wel- welcome yeah, to my we... podcast. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. So... Tell me about a, a bit about how did, how did you get started when you were a, a student of uh, of, uh, of learning, and yeah, tell me a bit more about your journey on on, on where you know why did you become a, an expert in uh, in, in additive? <laughs> <laughs> a self self proclaimed expert, right? <laughs> we'll see. Time will tell uh, where it goes uh, as far as the industry decides, but. Um, no, I'm just really passionate about uh, the 3D printing industry in general. And um, but you know, before we get into all that, uh, I appreciate the platform to give a little bit of background and what's important to me. And um, you know, we you already mentioned some of the things that I'm really into, and um, you know, being outdoors in the mountains and uh, snowboarding, running, trail running, all that is uh, really really uh important uh i think it is really centering and um really helpful just to kind of like get out there and see the world right and i do think the mountains in particular have this ability to um remind you how small we are (laughs) yeah yeah you know so as, as much as we run around and uh try to you know do business and uh get things done I always think it's important to be reminded that, well, you know, life is short and we got to do what we can to make the best of it. So, um, yeah, anyways, but yeah, to get into where, where I came from, where, where, how I got to where I'm at today, you know, I, uh, I got into 3d printing out of my, uh, first job out of college and, um, I was working for a small company called the Kidwind Project, which was an education-focused renewable energy company. And what we did was uh, design science experiment kits for middle school, high school uh, students, and sometimes colleges too, 
but they were you know, hands-on experimentation lab kits that allowed students to play with uh, all the things related to renewable energies like wind and solar and design their own wind turbines and wind solar cells and things like that. And uh, I had a product development role there. And we did a lot of prototyping, um, a lot of development, and a lot of, a lot of our stuff was just simple, you know, kind of, you know, junk drawer, hardware store, cobbled together stuff. But then we had a few core products that we, you know, kind of took to a different level and highly engineered and, you know, went to, you know, small scale manufacturing with 3D printing and injection molding. And so I got a really nice hands on experience right out of the gate uh, with a small company. And um, it was super fun to just kind of be in this environment where there was a lot of freedom of design, you know, because it was, they were toys essentially. So I didn't have to worry about people dying or, or cars crashing or whatever, where a lot of, you know, a lot of engineers end up going into uh, things like that, where I was in this unique environment where it was, uh, you know, non-critical and a lot of play and uh, a lot of freedom. And my, my boss trusted me to, uh, come up with things, and so, you know, within a matter of weeks of designing something, we we could potentially be selling it on the website right away. So it was just this really amazing, uh, tangible experience that was just so fast from development to product launch, and um, it was a really great experience. And through that, I got into uh, prototyping and um, using 3D printing for prototyping and just fell in love with it, you know, just got completely infatuated with the process, how it worked, and I was lucky enough that uh, Stratasys was in my backyard, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was ordering parts from them uh, through their red-eye service at that time, and I asked uh, if I could go pick up some parts uh, instead of having them ship them to me, and they were like, well, sure, we love when people come visit, and Went to pick them up, asked for a tour, caught the tour, and it was like, okay, I'm sold. <laughs> I'm working here. <laughs> and uh, that's how it started. And just uh, ended up taking the first job that they had open, which was uh, a customer service job, so quite the departure from engineering. And um, just kind of uh, wanted to get my foot in the door, but... I uh, was totally passionate about the company and what they were doing and how they were pushing the industry forward. And um, it, I actually fell in love with customer service. You know, it was uh, uh, just a really fun job, uh, helping people solve their problems, helping, helping people design, you know, get into design and see where, where they can go with technology. And it, my career just kind of snowballed from there. So having a strong technical background really helped, uh, but then really finding the fun in customer service and sales and, and, and really what it comes down to is just uh, helping people, right? That's kind of how I view it. Right. So there you go. There's kind of a, maybe a long-winded answer there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, it's good. No, it, it explains the process. A lot, a lot of, um, a lot of uh, people want to get into the industry to, you know, they always think they're coming into, you know, through engineering and they're engineers or they went through school to be an engineer. They think, you know, but really a lot of it is all about, yes, you're technical, but you do have to understand that the people that invest either a client, it's a project or a purchase of a machine, you know, you do need to have great uh, consumer, uh, you know, communication skills, right? 
So that's the number. Yeah, I mean, you could be technical, but if you can't communicate what what you have to offer, you're really at the dead end, right? It's it's so. I think communication is number one, and customer service is is the key because they're the front the front runner or runners of the of the the people calling in, you know, having a problem, and they're just trying to wonder, are you there to help me solve my problems? It's really about it's about solving problems, right? Through through many yeah. different applications, so. Um, it is, uh, it's very, very important. And, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I have been doing this for a long time and, uh, I, you know, I'm finding that a lot of, they want to work on projects, but if you can't, if you can't work with the clients, you will never get those projects unless you, you, you really, unless the clients, you know, trust you in, in that sense, uh, there's, there's, it, it's going to be kind of a, and, and, and then discussion, it'll just die right away. So there's a lot of things that happen to solve Really, you know, um, as a, as I say, a butterfly effect projects. You you work on something. You don't really know what that little thing that you did that might have been five hundred dollars. Let's say that could actually change their company in the, what they're doing, and uh, and the explosive results that you'll never really know that that little five hundred dollars actually saved them a million dollars in three years, right? So you know that's yeah, yeah, that's the exciting thing about the whole thing, right? That's the you know yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think you're totally right, you know, and I think you can, um, you know, I've had some experiences with working with some customers mm-hmm. where, you know, they're, they're a young engineer trying to get a start in a big, you know, automotive company. Right. And uh, they're passionate about 3D printing and trying to gain exposure for it. And so, you know, you, you help them out on a simple project and uh, make them look, help them look good in front of their boss, right? That's what I... That's what I always love to do for customers was right. just, you know, how am I going to make you look good yeah. in your company? Because then, then you're going to be my, you know, my champion going forward, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I've, I've planted those seeds, and it's amazing where some of them grow. Uh, you know, not all of them do, right? And some of them <laughs> die on the vine for sure. But, right. uh, but the ones that do, I mean, it's, it's impressive, right, where you can see a sort of from bottom up uh, movement with 3D printing and additive and get completely integrated to corporate culture with top down, um, you know, objectives for the year, right? That say this year, you know, we are going to move X amount of parts to additive technologies from, you know, traditional manufacturing technologies. They'll put it right in their company, right. you know, mandates, right? <laughs> so. It's pretty impressive when you can see uh, traction uh, that starts from the bottom up uh, like that. Right. And it does, you know, it it's uh, it, it can be challenging to get some of these leaders of uh, larger companies, especially, to you know dive in. Right. There's always some hesitation with new technology. Right. And so you don't. It's hard to kind of help them understand what the true uh, capabilities could be when they when they adopt new technologies and new manufacturing methods. Right, right. Well, there was there was one 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 thing I heard in the past was uh, the, the engineers, the designers at these at these, you know, at these firms or these organizations, they really love the technology. So when they when they go to the actual owner or the, you know, top top level management, you know, what I'm hearing, you know, occasionally is this is going to make my job easier. And, and the, and the VP says, well, why would I make, the, why would I do that? 
And, and I, I, when I heard that, I was confused. I said, well, don't you want your designers or engineers to be more efficient, to become better at what they do so they can, you know, improve your internal, you know, your internal operations? You might not be involved in the operations and you, and you look and you see it as an expense, but you don't know what actually, you know, what, what kind of tool this, this can actually change. And this is when I, when I hear this, it's like, oh God, there's a lot of work to be done on. And it doesn't have to be 3D printing. It could be anything. It could could be in a hospital environment. Yeah. And, you know, it could be any equipment that's going to change at the end if you can improve and, and make people become better at their skill. Isn't that, isn't that you know, um, uh, disrupt, yeah, disrupting? Right, right. When you, hmm. it's like that fear of automation, right? Where are we going to... Um, you know, invent ourselves out of jobs, right? <laughs> like, are we going right. to make our jobs obsolete and, uh, and, you know, basically design ourselves out of work? I think that's uh, definitely one of those kind of background fears for a lot of uh, people who are afraid of fast-paced innovation. I, I, I think the total opposite, though, right? Like, personally, I think the human mind is so amazing and we have no idea what the limits are uh, when it comes to design and creativity, and who knows if uh, you know AI will ever surpass that's possible for sure, but mm-hmm. maybe not in our lifetime. And when you free up the human mind to tackle some more complex problems, when you alleviate some of these remedial uh, tasks and automate them, uh, and then you give yourself back that freedom, the things that can come out of that, I think, are just endless and so i mean i think that's that's truly what people should be embracing right when you have this opportunity to make your job easier or automate some of your remedial tasks uh do it <laughs> you know right. absolutely do it you know you'd just be surprised what when you have that moment to be like okay well now i've got an extra hour per day to do something more creative or do something new for the company that's never been done before right right yeah, I mean, I, you know, some of the roadblocks are are the the lack. It's not like they don't want to be creative; it's just they don't know how. And sometimes they there's a different view on on, on how you see things. And, and and a lot of the times, you know, a manufacturing environment does include, um, uh, you know, costing. There's there's labor. You know, how do you reduce mistakes? And and as an engineer, you're not really you're not really trained in that. But if you if you if you build a team of a variety of skills, and that becomes your your disruptive team. And they meet just like health and safety. You meet once a week, once a month, whatever, and you have a a two, a two hour. I mean, you can't afford two hours in a month to have a a team of five people sit down and says, how do how you know what can we do to reduce you know time and 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 inefficiencies and less mistakes and utilize humans more efficiently than just kind of, you know, bringing documents across the, the, the manufacturing environment or walking over and then walking back and walking forward to talk, ask different questions. Things like this can improve if you sit down and you really talk about it. And I'm sure they have time for two hours, three hours in a month, and you build a team. And, and, and some of them are just one person leading the, 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 lean, the lean improvement pro, program or two people. There should be more. The more people are involved, the faster it is. And, and that's, that, that's what's going to change the, the manufacturing landscape. Um, you know, you know what you were mentioning about solar? Yeah, I think that's a really great strategy. Uh, you were mentioning about solar panel. Like, I, I read a lot about solar panels and 3D printing. Is that, is that, is that 
really commercially ready right now, or that, or that's something? Because I always think three D printing, so solar, solar, solar panels are something that's been around a long time. But have you, are you aware that solar panels are actually being three D printed? Because I read this and I wasn't sure if it was if it was true or not. Maybe you can give me some light on it. Uh, yeah, sorry, no, no, that's, that's not uh, something that I know a lot about. Okay, okay. I haven't seen anything that's uh, truly commercially viable, personally, um, of a 3D printed solar cell, and possibly something, you know, in the academic realm, uh, university level. You know, universities tend to push out and push the limits of what's, what's possible with 3D printing. Right. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Uh, but no, I haven't seen anything commercially available for 3d printed solar cells okay okay question i always ask my uh my uh my guess is uh, would you quit if you won the lottery <laughs> even if <laughs> even if you loved your current position so much <laughs> um you know that's hard to say right i i think i i i certainly wouldn't leave the industry mm. and um i think if I had had uh, you know millions of dollars, I would certainly reinvest in this industry in a lot of ways. Right. Um, I think there's a lot of technology coming out, and I think there are a lot of companies that um, you know could maybe use a little bit of stimulus and direction. So I would certainly not leave the industry. And I do think, um, you know, just to kind of toot the horn of my own company a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, Stratasys R&D is incredible. And having the inside view on what's next is so fun to see. Uh, so it would be very difficult to pull me away from this company, uh, for sure. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. No, but I love the industry. I mean, it's just so exciting. Uh, you know, the, the, just the prospect of uh, just revolutionizing, you know, they, they can call it the fourth, you know, industrial revolution if they want to. I don't know. But it certainly is a an additive revolution as far as manufacturing is concerned and the way that it's getting integrated uh, to to real production parts. Uh, and seeing that happen every year a little bit more is so fun. I just love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen the materials. TPU came out. I was like, and then I've got the, the, um, the carbon fiber and uh, the agile, this is, you know, I, 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 I think I did a video on my LinkedIn and it's me pulling and it reminded me of my Stretch Armstrong. I don't know if you, if you remember Stretch Armstrong was a toy back in the, in the, <laughs> so it's like when I was pulling the agile, I was like, I was like pulling it. It was like, it wasn't breaking. I was, this reminds me of, of uh, Stretch Armstrong. I, 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 that was my, one of my favorite toys. And it was, it was just, it kind of brought me back to the, to the, you know, to the eighties, <laughs> you know? But yeah, I mean, yeah. wonderful yeah. materials are coming out. Is I was just like I was blown away on on the advancements of uh, material science. You know, the the material science behind it all is just uh, incredible. It's uh, yeah, there's a lot of materials that a lot of uh, a lot of companies don't know that exist, and 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 they need to really you know roll up your sleeves, get in there, talk to your you know talk to the account manager. Uh, and speak with you know whoever you know is in your territory and uh, and really you know dig you know find out you know investigate what's what are you doing what are you missing out on I mean there's a lot of missing out on situations that if you don't ask the right questions you're you're losing out and and that's where where you know at, at the end uh, the countries were built on manufacturing right if you remember long time ago a lot of jobs was because of manufacturing jobs are not going to you know are not going to 
be a growth at an exponential rate by restaurants you're going to hire three or four waiters or wait that's it you're not going to go more than that unless you buy more open up more restaurants or more you know more retail manufacturing is where you know where it's at and and, and the skilled labor needs to improve also so all these materials are coming out from is this beautiful to see that and uh, yeah kudos to them and uh, that great partnership that uh, that's that's uh, that's in in, uh, in in process right now um Growing up, who are your heroes? Oh, wow. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, I, heroes has always changed. You know, the simple answer is yeah. certainly the people that were close to you, right? So, uh, father, of course, my dad was great, uh, amazing businessman. Yeah. He's, uh, he's since passed, but he, uh, you know, I watched him grow his career um, from a simple grocery store manager to, you know, president of the largest uh, restaurant franchise in the United States right. at the time, right. and um, you know, it was uh, it was really really fun to watch watch that happen, and just some of the some of the fun stories that came out of it. Right. You know, he he told me the story once. Um, where he was going into a new market in the Chicago area with their restaurant chain. At the time, he was working for a kind of a diner-style restaurant called Perkins, mm-hmm. and they had um, they had uh, just entered that market. And Perkins was a breakfast restaurant, right? You know, right. in the uh, in the northern in the northern Midwest. And and uh, he gets in, and they're having trouble getting traction. He gets in, he gets into the Chicago area, takes a taxi, and he asks the taxi driver. You know, hey man, have you ever uh, have you ever heard of Perkins? And the guy and the guy says, uh, yeah, they got sandwiches and stuff for lunch. And and, and my father was like, uh, have you been there for breakfast? He's like, oh, I don't know, they serve breakfast. He's like, okay, you see, you see, <laughs> clearly haven't uh, don't have the right marketing message here. And he said, I'll tell you what, uh, tomorrow morning, get on your dispatch and and let them know that breakfast is free for any taxi driver. Right, any any company, any taxi driver, breakfast is free at Perkins restaurants all over, right? And so he gets to the he gets to the store to the restaurant, and he, he calls them all together, and he's like, "All right, we need everybody on all hands on deck, and we're making pancake batter for the rest of the day." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the next morning, uh, you know, they got on the Nash on the on the like you know regional Chicago news because. There wasn't a cab to be found in the early morning because all the cab drivers were at the restaurant. <laughs> that's a great. That's so a like great overnight. strategy. Wow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> overnight, they had all this uh, all this exposure and changed uh, changed their their marketing message. You know, from this you know maybe a sandwich place for lunch to a, an established breakfast place, which is what they were doing. You know. Right. Right. Anyways. But yeah, so as far as heroes go, yeah, you kind of got to look close to home sometime. Um, but currently, you know, when I think about whom I'm, whom I'm following, I get, uh, you know, Tim Ferriss is probably one of my favorites to follow. Mm-hmm. And uh, his, his podcast is certainly incredible and just what a great way to, uh, you know, expose people to great ideas and um, just his whole philosophy around the way that he approaches the topics that he writes for books and investments and 
uh, what have you. So I, I follow him a lot. I really enjoy the way that he dispenses information. And I, and I think that being a conduit for information like he is too is mm-hmm. so inspiring and so important. And uh, so I really admire that. Well, yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of great, you know, podcasts that are out there to, and you know, you, you as a leader, you have to, in whatever industry you're in, you need to spend some time, you know, getting inspired because if you're just in a rut and always becoming a routine, uh, routine robot, as I, I always call it, because there, there's a lot of admin tasks that I end up being that I don't want to do, but you got to do it, and you just feel like a robot. So breaking, breaking, breaking that out, and and spending, putting your calendar and putting a time that you need to either listen listen to it on the way home when you're in traffic cuz that's when the best time to listen to it so i hooked up my my uh, my my podcast uh, uh, audio favorites into my car so when i'm driving I get to, instead of listening to uh, to uh, to rap music that you end up want to punch somebody mm-hmm. you get to be inspired <laughs> so you know you you, you get you get listen to it and, and you get ideas and and you get you know you get your brain thinking and and sometimes uh, you know you, you can you can solve some problems that you're currently you know working on kind of thing. So that's that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what do you enjoy doing in your free time? And I know you mentioned uh, snowboarding, hiking. Uh, tell me a bit more about it. What's what's uh, what, is there a favorite place you like to go to to hike? Yeah, absolutely. So we're lucky we're lucky enough to live um, you know near the Appalachian Trail mm-hmm. in Virginia. Uh, you know, it's about a, it's about a two mile hike or, or run from my house to the, to the AT. And, uh, we, we're up there a lot. It's, uh, it's beautiful. The Blue Ridge Mountains are just incredible. Uh, and what a nat- great natural resource to live right next to. So Shenandoah National Park is, uh, right in our backyard pretty much. Mm-hmm. And so we're out there a lot. And then, uh, yeah, my, I've got an eight year old boy. And uh, we hang out, do a lot of uh, hiking and fishing, uh, and then he's the he's the one who got me into snowboarding. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah, a couple years ago, we uh, you know we had been skiing for a long time, downhill skiing, mm-hmm. and um, he just kept saying, "Oh, let's do the snowboarding thing," and I was like, "Well." You know, if a, if a if a four-year-old can learn, I can learn. <laughs> and uh, uh, broke my wrist the first <laughs> the first time we went out, <laughs> but uh, stuck with it. Now now it's something I, I really enjoy, you know, and uh, it's something that he and I get to do together. Um, you know, and I'm sure you up in Canada, you you're you know a stranger to cold, and and for me, it's just one of those great ways to help embrace that season uh, and I've really come to enjoy winter because of it you know I just you know being out there and it's a different experience right so oh, absolutely a lot of people shy yeah a lot of people shy away from getting out there getting outside when it's you know uh, you know below freezing and uh, I, I certainly don't <laughs> not anymore <laughs> well with, with the right equipment I mean you know people don't like the cold but if you if you invest in the right equipment it doesn't have to be super expensive if you if you do your right homework and you get the right equipment, it's not that cold. You just, on your face, you get this freshness, you're on the chairlift, and you're just looking at these, you know, snow-covered, uh, I, I know we're coming into summer now, but, you know, the, the snow-covered evergreens, it's, it's, it's just a beautiful, yeah. it's, it's like you're, you're in some wonderland, and, and people just don't give that, that a chance to, to try that even a couple of times during the wintertime, just to, 
Yeah, I've been skiing since I was like uh, nine, ten in, in Mont Tremblant. It's uh, it's a mountain that was I was emerging from Montreal, and I moved here in in ninety one. And uh, sure. yeah, then and then I said, you know what? I uh, I was a skateboarding at the time, and I said, you know what? I'm gonna try snowboarding. Once I hit, I hit snowboarding, I never went back to skiing again. <laughs> so snow, <laughs> snowboarding is a lot of fun, especially when you're going really fast and you do a sharp turn and you do a nice rooster tail. There's nothing like that. That that sure. sound of uh, just you know going really fast and then and then turning at at, at a split second and creating this huge huge tidal wave of. Uh, <laughs> Of, of snow, <laughs> it's just something. It's something magical about it, right? It's it's fun. It's really fun. Oh, truly, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there's. It's one of those like ultimate feelings of freedom, right? I mean, just the. Yeah, it's really fun. It's uh, you're you're on the edge of uh, being in control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but it's, it's riding that riding that line is just so fun. Uh, there's nothing like it. Yeah, it, it's called control falling, as, as they call it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it, it, especially when, when it freshly snows and, like, you're on the this fresh powder that no one's even touched yet. It's like you're in a cloud. It, it's, a, it's just a, an amazing feeling that, uh, that uh, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, and the, wor- and the world sounds different, too, right? Like, there's that sort of, like, quietness to yes. it uh yes. you know other than the sound of your board of course but when you stop and just like you're out there in the snow it's just uh, yeah it's, it's really uh striking and peaceful nice um what are you cu- curious about right now anything that's that's tickled your fancy as they say <laughs> what's uh, anything yeah. anything that you're curious yeah, you now know, that's yeah the thing that the, the uh, the topic of the day, mm. at least around our water cooler, is um, is automation, right? Mm. And how do we how do we use, leverage software mm. and AI and mechanical automation mm. um, in this industry uh, correctly right. and meaningfully, right? So right. that is really where what's exciting to me. Um, that's where a lot of our extra you know, if we if we could carve out an extra hour every day or every week mm. to do that little extra extra task or research, that's where it seems to be uh, going, right? And that includes everything from, you know, the simple steps of connected, you know, the IoT sort of stuff where we're connecting all of our equipment on single servers, uh, things like that, networking across. Um, uh, large distances, you know, uh, corporate campus structures where you've got, you know, buildings in one part of the country and others that are all talking to each other mm-hmm. and load balancing, things like that, to um, the actual equipment itself, right? So trying to figure out how to, you know, I'm, I don't know if you were at the Rapid Conference or not, but one of the keynotes was from uh, BMW and they talked about an automation project that they did. Mm-hmm using uh, the carbon technology. And, you know, I was listening to it, to the, the talk, and it was a great, great, uh, great demonstration of what could be possible using, uh, you know, little robotic arms as pickers and placers to, to try to automate the process. But what was really apparent in that, um, in that, in that presentation was that the machine itself, the printer itself, is not designed for automation, right? I mean, it's designed for human interaction. It's a, it's a little bit clunky 
in the eyes of, a, of automation. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of 3D printers are designed that way, right? Now, right. our company has taken a stab at um, you know, self-unloading and, and reloading equipment, and I think that's really where this industry needs to uh, focus some attention on the mechanical side and make this equipment more uh, favorable to be automated. And, and, and uh, you know, we, all, we always talk about design Design for additive, right? So if you, you know, you redesign your your parts for your cars to be built out of additive technologies, we need to take a little bit of our own medicine here and design our printers to be more robot friendly and automation friendly. Right. right. <laughs> you know, All right. So I think that's really what excites me is to start seeing some of these things right. uh, take place and be studied and uh, developed. Right. Right. Um, where do you get your best ideas? What, where, where's the best place when you go, like, when you're, you, you're getting inspired and some ideas come to you? Because, you know, when you're working, you don't really have time to, to, you know, unless you set up time across the day, right? What's the, where's the best yeah, place? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of my inspiration actually does come from working, but my job isn't, isn't uh, as stagnant as a lot of jobs, right? I have the luxury of being uh, customer-facing and mm -hmm. traveling across this, uh, across North America, mm -hmm. Canada, Mexico, and the the amount of different customers that I interface with, and watching the way that that people uh, attack problems differently, I draw a lot of inspiration from, and um, I think it's just a, it's 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 just a wonderful thing to watch. Um, you know, there's so many different ways to solve the same problem in this world and it's not the and it's not and not not everybody should do it the same right i mean when it's a different you know you may be t attacking the same problem as a large you know fortune 100 company uh or if you're just a small mom and pop business with 15 employees right even though you're trying to solve a similar problem you're not going to come to the same result because the set of circumstances are totally different Right. And both situations, uh, you know, demand different solutions. So I, I, I just love seeing that variety. And I think all those, all the things in between, uh, there's, there's lots of, there's a lot to be learned uh, on both sides, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. It seems that this, this, I don't know if you can hear the gardener outside our building. I guess he didn't get the memo that I was doing a podcast and he's, I don't know if you heard this guy's cutting grass outside. I'm like, guys, I, I'm trying to do a podcast here and they're cutting grass. So I don't know. I, I don't know if you can hear them in the background. Um, it is kind of annoying, but uh, I guess I can't do much about it. So I'm sorry about that. If there was a little bit of uh, a contrast or some, some, you know, background noises, I apologize for that. Um, you know, I'm a big foodie. Uh, favorite hometown restaurant that you can recommend if I ever am in the Virginia area. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm sorry. What was that? Uh, I'm a big foodie. Um, oh yeah. Your, your your favorite hometown restaurant? Since if I if I ever in the Virginia area, uh, I'll, I'll you know any any hometown restaurants that you can well, recommend? Uh, well, I'll I'll make a couple recommendations okay. here for sure. Okay. Um, you know, in my in my neck of the woods, 
you know, we're, we, I, I'm lucky enough to live in uh, what they call Virginia wine country, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, sure. um, if you're into wine, yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, my favorite local, my favorite local winery is called King Family Vineyards. Okay. And it's a, it's a fantastic winery. The wines here in uh, Virginia are kind of of that sort of uh, really dry style of wines. You know, not a lot of sweetness, mm-hmm. uh, Bordeaux reds that kind of thing and uh, so that's wonderful so visit King Family and then restaurants you know I'm kind of rediscovering uh, a lot of the stuff in town here Um, but uh, one of my favorites is uh, you know one of those sort of wood burning pizza joints Italian joints you know everything made from scratch only 20 tables Um, it's called it's called Lampo and uh, excellent food really great service and uh just that intimacy that i love when you when you want that nice dining experience where you know the chef is basically delivering the food to your table and tells you everything that's in there and he's super passionate about super passionate about the product that he's putting on your plate so that's what i look for and that place definitely delivers well you know what you send me those links i'll I'll put it in the in the show notes and uh Anybody that's in, sure. it's in the area would would want a fine dining experience with some nice uh, some nice you know great pizza and and pastas. I'm sure it'll be on the footnotes so people can. And again, anything you want to share with me, uh, James, you just you know send me a link and I'll share it with our our listeners if they you know they want to go into it further. They'll they'll have links to to share that. Um, absolutely, absolutely. If you could message yourself ten to thirty years ago, what would you tell your your younger self? um you know i i i think i was kind of kind of on the track back then too but i would certainly tell myself to never stop uh traveling right right i mean as far as as far as uh spending money on on stuff you know you can't take your stuff with you uh when when you're gone and um, you know, traveling and seeing this world is just, it's, it's something you'll never regret spending your money on. So I would say just keep on traveling, keep on seeing it and, uh, there's, and meeting the people that are out there. Right. You know, that's for sure. Right. Right. Thank you, James, so much. Um, we're going to do a round two again in the future. I appreciate your time and, and uh, this was, was super fun to do and, you know, get to know each other a bit more. And um, that's, that's fantastic. I, again, appreciate it. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do a round two in the future. <laughs> I, I, I'd love to. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, James. Take care.